Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Merciful Father, through holy baptism you called us to be your own possession. Grant that our lives may be evidence of the working of your Holy Spirit in us, in love and joy and in peace and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control, according to the image of your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Okay, I, by the way, I just got to we just got a picture from Lubbock, Texas, where our, our granddaughter is in graduate school, and they have a, looks to be about eight or ten inches of snow on the ground, so we're happy that it hit there, and it's not going to get there. It might get here with a few sprinkles, but I'm thankful we live in San Antonio, where that is rare indeed. January 13th of 1985 was the last measurable snowfall in San Antonio. It was about 13 inches. Killed everything in sight. It was fun to watch the people take hot water out onto their uh, windshields. I, being from the north, was the only one that had a scraper. I could have sold that or I could have rented it out and probably become a millionaire that week. That's hindsight, though, isn't it? Really hindsight, going all the way back to 1985. But there's an old saying that says hindsight is 2020. That is, if you have, you have perfect vision when it comes to things that are behind you. That is, in hindsight. But that saying also kind of leads us to one last look at the year 2020, I think. A year that most of us would want to make sure is behind us. We don't want any more 2020. We've had enough of you. Stay in the hindsight. Still, if nothing else could be salvaged from such a difficult year, we ought to have pretty clear vision, wouldn't you think? When it comes to dealing with those things from the past that come right back to haunt us this right now in the new year, that don't want to stay in hindsight, that creep into the first 10 days of our year, we still face the same deadly viral enemy, invisible. And he's not hiding in some foxhole. He didn't take a leave of absence or get burned up by all the fireworks. On New Year's Eve, he's every bit as nasty as he was in 2020. He's deadly. He's surging again. And while we cannot, by our vision, help out and see an invisible enemy, we have to use clear evidence that supports that we have things that we can do to shorten or kick the curve and bring it down a little bit to help us. Things like wearing masks, by staying socially distant, by washing your hands for 20 seconds or more all day long. All these crazy things that we take for granted that we keep being told about over and over again actually do help slow the wave, the surge of the virus. And as we have seen, when we can get the vaccines that are now available, they do offer some help and some hope when it comes to battling and defeating the virus. 
And still, the virus is not the only thing from 2020, in hindsight, that comes to bother us in our world today in the first 10 days of a new year. As if we thought everything was going to go away and 2020 was done and we could get on to a new life and hallelujah, let's get going. No, there's still issues in our country. Last year was the most divisive year I've seen in my 73 years. I've never seen anything like it. I don't want to see it again, and yet it gets worse. If you haven't figured this out yet, we are a polarized nation, divided as if it were a civil war. And unfortunately, we are becoming an increasingly apostate nature. For those of you who don't know what apostate means, it means you don't believe in Jesus Christ. You don't believe in salvation through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when you look at the start of the year, with all this twisted drive that promotes a dystopian view of society, that meddles with the notion of creating a non-gender neutrality, non-binary gender neutrality out of God's binary creation, of people that seemingly gleefully engage in the assault on murdering unborn children, not to mention the special elections, the court challenges, and the disturbing and deadly aftermath of the capital violence this week. Hello, hindsight is still here. It clearly demonstrates that what was hindsight is now in plain sight. And if things don't change, there's going to be foresight of more division, more confrontation, more anarchy in 2021. If we think it's going to get better, we're fooling ourselves if we're not prepared to do something about it. Enough of the hindsight. We can't do anything right now about what's behind us except to learn from it, to gain some insight. You see, insight is what some of us lack. Insight is what the world lacks. Insight is this valuable additive for a troubled heart, for a weary soul, for a battered and bruised and increasingly crumbling nation. Insight is when one may apprehend the true, true nature of a thing. Insight is being able to discern an inner character of an underlying truth, not what your truth is, but the true underlying character of what is important, what is real, what is true and necessary in our lives. How many of you have insight into what is real and true and important and necessary? How many of you would know what someone who is insightful even looks like? Or what a nation that is using its insight is like? Those things are blurred. Maybe we need a, some examples of what insightful people look like. And you may be surprised about how insightful people look like over years. For instance, there's this guy who's running around in a wilderness dressed in camel hair. Has to have a leather belt hold up. I don't know if that means he's overeating on the locusts and honey. I suspect that the honey has helped to have him swallow the locusts. I can't even imagine that. That's kind of like eating crawfish. Sounds horrible. He's not a century country. He's a country fellow. He's not a city folk. He obviously doesn't like the city because he goes right out into the wilderness. 
He's a talker. In fact, he's a proclaimer. You're not going to get him to stop talking. And he doesn't give you boring news. He doesn't give you just blabber. No, he comes out and talks as one who has a unique insight about what is necessary and important, about what was real and true for that day for which he was called to be there, and for every day since, including the day we have today, January 10th, 2021. In gospel lesson for today from St. Mark, Mark places this curious and most unlikely of characters as the second most important person in his gospel account. In chapter 1, verse 1, Mark makes it clear who's the most important person. When he says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. First and foremost, he lets you know, that's the man I'm going to talk about in my gospel. And you're going to hear about. He makes sure that readers... And hearers, many of them in those days, Roman Gentiles who were interested in becoming Christian, and Jews who were tired of waiting and wanted to change, that this Jesus who is headlining his gospel was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. He says, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Enough of the crooked walking in life. Mark, you see, was a man of great insight as well, because in his gospel, the figure mentioned right after the most important figure is this 30-year-old precocious locust-eating guy who's proclaiming repentance. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaimed a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John, this guy they called the Baptist, was held in very high esteem by the most important person in the world. Later, Early in Jesus' ministry, John would be called by Jesus. Among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Two of the most important characters in the world for what they are to do appear right in order in Mark's gospel, in order of their importance. John the Baptist was also an unusually born child born of Zechariah and Elizabeth, who were well beyond their years of childbirth. He came into the world six months before Jesus, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. That John is now in the wilderness. Mark tells us all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized in the River Jordan, confessing their sins. The first century historian Josephus suggests over 300,000 people came to be baptized in the wilderness by John the Baptist in his short lifespan that we know of. We know of him around the age of 30. 
right around Jesus' age. We know that he comes into a, the life of the world and he goes out in a most horrible way. Not long, but what he did lasts forever. He was preaching, baptizing, prepare the way for the most important man in the history of the world. A man so important that the Baptist would say, after he comes one who is mightier than I, the strap of whose saddle I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John, the second most important man in the world at that moment, was not worthy to untie the straps of Jesus' sandal. And yet he was every bit worthy to baptize the Son of God. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth to Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn apart and the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. God announces the arrival of the Son of God, the Holy Spirit, God, and Jesus, the Holy Trinity, right in front of the face of John the Baptist at that moment. Couched between John's call for repentance and his eager expectation of the Messiah's coming, John gives a warning to his visitors. Essentially what he's saying is also for you and me today. Don't get so immersed, so enamored and so drawn by the values of the things that are out here in the world that you ignore or you reject that which is of inestimable value. Don't get so caught up in what is happening in the world as we are right now that you lose sight and lose hope of what is real and what is important and what is true. Those things are the gifts of a promised Savior. The gift of forgiveness of all your sins, as Paul mentions in Romans 6. The gift of an eternal place, a place in peaceful heaven, and of a return engagement, the result of which will make this broken world whole and clean and perfect once again. That, my friends, is insight. How insightful that is. How do we get that? How did John acquire that insight? How might we be so insightful right now today and when we walk out these doors to dwell in the midst of the fear and the foreboding and the unhappiness and the distrust and the darkness and the gloom that we may go out and do it with an abounding hope and humbly confident outlook forward not behind us. Where do we look for insight on those inquiries? How do we find that insight? I'll give you two choices, and the first one doesn't count. God's word. God's word. 
How do we look there? We just open that book up and read. I opened it up the other day and I read this. After baptism and a fierce 40-day battle with Satan, the third most important figure in Mark's gospel, in the very first chapter, Jesus, with the help of the Spirit, gets through 40 days of fighting with Satan, the most terrible person on the world, who, as you have seen today, is very hardy in his battle plan. He comes out, he selects disciples, and he preaches and teaches them along the banks of the Sea of Galilee. Can you imagine sitting with his hand-picked, an unlikely band of people, most of them fishermen, a couple brothers, a tax collector, like a used car salesman today, to respect the used car salesman. He tells them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those coming outside, everything is parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, they may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Jesus makes clear to his disciples, Mark included as it shows up in Mark's gospel, that we read today, for our edification, to know the very same thing Jesus is telling his disciples that if you are going to understand properly the nature of his mission, his purpose for coming, and his promise for all who believe, that is to make sense of his divine revelation, that revelation that Jesus embodies and that the gospel proclaims, if you're going to get that, you have to get that from God himself. That insight comes from God himself. When did John the Baptist get that insight? When he became the child promised by an angel to a very aged couple. When he leapt in his mother's womb as he lay next to, but so close to, the mother of Jesus. How do we receive this insight? Because we too are unlikely recipients of any gift from God being the total sinners that we are. In our baptism by water and the word, wherein we are joined with Christ and clothed in his righteousness, not ours, where we receive faith, a gift from the Holy Spirit, who indwells in us and who continually forgives us and restores us and guides us in our walk of faith. For the disciples, it would take the suffering and sacrificial death of Jesus and the resurrection from the dead before they would properly comprehend that truth, that underlying truth of the character and the person and the purpose of the Messiah and also their role as teachers and preachers of the gospel in their ministry after Jesus had ascended into heaven. In fact, if you read Mark in this small gospel, you see that the struggle of the disciples to understand the Messiah, how that he had to suffer and that he had to sacrifice, that was the main plot, the unfolding plot in Mark's gospel. It's a very short gospel. Read it and you'll see what I mean. That's the struggle they had to have. We don't have to have that struggle. It's happened. It's hindsight. 
Have we learned from that? If we've read God's word, we've learned it. If we have believed God's word, we should act it out in faith. That story, that struggle, the gospel of forgiveness and life and salvation has been revealed to you whether you know it or not. You already have it. If you've been baptism, if you've been baptized, you have been equipped with the insight to know the secrets of the kingdom of God in Christ. Through the ongoing work of the Spirit in you. Okay, a few of you might question, those of you who are very theologically sound may want to say, yes, but we live by faith and not by sight, Pastor. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God, Pastor. I don't see. I don't see Jesus. But we can and we do have sight. We have insight. Certainly we are mindful, are we not, in hindsight of God's plan for the world, of mankind's failure to follow his plan, of God's mercy in giving his son on the cross that we might be saved through faith by his grace. You see that, don't you? You are insightful enough to understand that, are you not? So today, then know that you are called upon by God as his disciple to use your insight, the Holy Spirit in you, to apprehend the true nature of Jesus. And that nature, if you haven't found out already, is forgiving. It's loving. It's sacrificing. Maybe this will help you. The Bible tells us that we have two sets of eyes when it comes to Christ. We have two sets of eyes. We have physical eyes, and we also have spiritual eyes. With one set of eyes, we see the physical world around us, and I wish sometimes we were blind, because what we see is ugly, horrible, demoralizing. With the other, though, we are able to discern the spiritual truths that God has set forth in his word. Therefore, my dear friends in Christ, when you come to Christ as you have done today, when you walk out that door as you go out into the world, know that you go forward in Christ. Know that Christ comes to live with you by his Holy Spirit, and it is he who opens your spiritual eyes to see the truth, not what we see in the world. But what we see with both eyes fully open and be able to discern what's real. We can see that Satan wants you to see. We can see everything that Satan wants you to buy into. You can see anything with your eyes that so tempting that you want to have it. But God has given you these spiritual eyes that must rule in your heart and in your mind and must draw you to return to the Lord whenever you fall into that. Repent and be renewed in Christ and then go back out boldly into that world that Satan wants you to be laser focused with 2020 vision and put your spiritual eyes to work to help others 
put their worldly view behind them to see the true joy that comes from spiritual eyes focused on the love and the promise of Jesus, his gifts that abound every day, his mercies that are here that we often take for granted. In the moment, like we are on this 10th day of the new year, it might seem that everything around us, what we see, what we hear, is filled with darkness and despair. And I couldn't blame you for feeling that way. Very uncomfortable. We're not the nation we used to be. We don't know how to fix it. But we're not here to fix it. We're here to live in it and be a part of it because God put us here. But we are not of this world. We are of Christ. Christ lives in us. And we use those eyes. There is always that light in the world for a Christian. From hindsight to insight to foresight, light, his light, breaks through the fog of fear, points us towards Jesus, toward hope and love and away from hate and sin. It does so in today's gospel lesson in Paul's letter to the church at Rome when he said, let us bask in that comforting light this morning and not be drawn into the darkness of fear and hate that so permeates our fallen world. Those are words thousands of years ago and they're still applicable today. We live in a fallen world that is so dark, so filled with hate, so ensconced in fear. And yet we can bask in that comforting light, thanks be to Jesus. Thanks be to this day, a baptism of Jesus made public the work of salvation, begun at his birth, and which continues even now as he lives and works among you and me through the Holy Spirit. When that proud father spoke to his son, you are my beloved son, and with you I am well pleased, and the heavens opened, and the Spirit descended upon Jesus as a dove, and God revealed his Savior to the world, we heard the echo of the Holy Trinity, the news of salvation in the person of Jesus. And today and every day in Christ Jesus, that vision that John had, heaven's open, God's voice, Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Son of Man. That perfect vision is the sight that you are to behold as you walk out these doors and every day to be so grateful for that. Trusting in that, no matter what that looks like outside, no matter what you're being told by the world, leave it in God's hands. He is the light and the life for all of us. Amen.